I don't know about you, but this week I have not been able to stop thinking about what is happening in Eastern Europe. We are watching in real time genocide take place before our very eyes. Civilians are being slaughtered, children's hospitals, schools, apartments, roads are being bombed. People are sleeping in subways, churches are worshiping in subways. Millions of refugees are fleeing the Ukraine, trying to get to a safe haven. This is what evil looks like in the 21st century. Uh, The act of of a man with absolutely no conscience and no sense of remorse. And still, we don't know how it'll end. Or or if it will end, when it will end, how much worse it might get. I just cannot stop thinking about the images that I've seen on TV and on social media. And it's easy for us, you know, to sit back here in, in America in the comfort of our own homes and think, well, that's thousands of miles away. How does that affect us? But guess what? It does affect us. And it will continue to affect us. And so what's happening in Ukraine is absolutely terrible, and yet the bravery of the Ukrainian people is incredibly inspiring. But we sit here and ask the question, what can we do? And so I just sent an email out on Friday, and many of you responded, let's wear the colors of the country and try to say that we stand in solidarity with a country that's being invaded by an aggressive bordering nation. But it's really, really hard to watch, and it's really, really sad. We've entered the season of Lent, and Lent is the 40-day period leading up to Easter. It's based upon the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness after his baptism where he was tempted by the devil at his moment of of weakness. It's a season of soul searching, uh, self-reflection. It's a time for us to to grow spiritually. And, And so I hope that you will take Lent seriously this year. Not that you haven't in the past, but I I hope you will dial in and think about what can I do to grow? And the question that I want to raise this morning with you is, is what are you going to do to nurture your soul during the Lenten season? Let me say that again. What are you going to do to nurture your soul during the Lenten season? Almost 20 years ago, I graduated from TCU and I went off to Princeton Seminary. And at Princeton, I took all kinds of classes, Old Testament, New Testament, church history, systematic theology, pastoral care, counseling, ethics, speech, preaching, you name it, all kinds of classes. But I really wish somebody had told me that the things that go into running a church, specifically a large church, are also the things that will pull you away from your spiritual center. What do I mean by that? I'm talking about managing a staff and running the business side of the church and recruiting leaders and holding leaders accountable and dealing with conflict and politics and getting criticized. Uh, They never mention pandemics. Uh, That was a bonus experience that we got to learn on the job, right? All of these things, you know, as important as they are, can pull us away from our spiritual center. And so I wish that somebody had told me flat out that soul care is really hard when you are deep in the throes of ministry. And even things that are very important and very necessary can pull you away from your spiritual center. Lent is a time for us to do soul care. 
which is a big part of self-care. It's a time to focus, give something up, take something on. And I hope that you'll do that this season. But the question that I want to raise this morning is, what are you going to do to nurture your soul between now and Easter Sunday in April? There are all kinds of things that make soul care hard. And and so let me name a few of them. 24-7 news cycle being bombarded with constant information. Smartphones always being available where you feel like you have no boundaries. Financial pressure, paying the bills that never stop coming in. A consumeristic culture where you can never get enough to satisfy you. Stress and pressure, that, that, that makes soul care really hard. Raising kids, <laughs> that can take you away from your spiritual center. Jesus taught in parables. And during Lent, we're going to stay in Matthew's gospel, but we're going to study a series of parables uh, in the gospel. And a parable has been defined before as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus would take these common, ordinary situations and he would use them to teach extraordinary lessons about the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to start with the first parable that we find in Matthew's gospel, uh, found in Matthew 13, called the parable of the sower. And what's really interesting about the parable of the sower is, whereas in many parables we have to sit there and wrestle with it and say, what's he trying to say? What does this mean? What are the messages? Jesus actually spells it out for us if you keep going in the reading. Verse 18, he says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on the good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Today I want to talk to you about how these different types of soil represent different types of Christians and really, if we're honest, different states of our own heart at different times. If I were to ask you, how are you going to do soul care during the Lenten season? You might say things like this. You might say that soul care involves slowing down, finding time for quiet and reflection. Spring break is tucked into the month of March, which can be a good thing. You might say soul care requires reading your Bible more so you can learn more about Jesus, who he was, what he taught, what he's all about. You might say that soul care involves enhancing your prayer life so that you can connect with God on a regular basis. Or maybe soul care is joining a small group or a class, or even better, starting a small group where you can be around other people and talk about your faith. Or or it might be that that soul care means you go and serve in the community, you do Room in the Inn, or the Habitat Bill that's coming up in a couple of weeks. And all of these answers would be correct. The spiritual life is the most neglected dimension of our lives. And I think it's because many people simply don't know how to develop it and they don't know what it involves. People are busy balancing different things, preoccupied, but nurturing our soul is a big part of growing up in life. And some people get it and some people don't get it. 
In recent years, I've read a number of different books that have actually, I find very relevant to this topic of, of growing in your spiritual life and gr really growing up in life. One is written by Nebraska Senator Ben Sass called The Vanishing American Adult, where he says that we're facing a crisis in our culture where people aren't growing up. He says, I believe our entire nation is in the midst of a collective coming of age crisis without parallel in history. We are living in an America of perpetual adolescence. Our kids simply don't know what an adult is anymore or how to become one. Many don't see a reason to even try. Perhaps more problematic, the older generations have forgotten that we need a plan to teach them. It's our fault more than it is theirs. And Sass goes on to elaborate on the different factors that have led to this problem and how he thinks things need to change. Another book written by former Yale professor William Durkowicz titled Excellent Sheep. Uh, he's uh, talking about our educational system and he says, the system manufactures students who are smart and talented and driven, yes, but also anxious, timid and lost with little intellectual curiosity and stunted, a stunted sense of purpose trapped in a bubble of privilege heading meekly in the same direction, great at what they're doing, but with no idea why they're doing it. Simply put, many young people today don't know what life is all about. And I believe that this actually points to a spiritual crisis, one that has to do with meaning and purpose. Many people don't know how to find meaning and purpose in their lives. Durkowicz says life is more than a job and jobs are more than a paycheck and a country is more than its wealth. Education is more than the acquisition of marketable skills and you are more than your ability to contribute to your employer's bottom line or the nation's GDP, no matter what the rhetoric of politicians or executives would have you think. I believe that growing up in life involves finding purpose, it involves owning your faults, not always pointing and blaming others, and it involves learning humility. It involves thinking for yourself and forming your own beliefs and not just blindly accepting everything that you hear. It involves the ongoing quest for spiritual growth, which is what Jesus seemed to continuously emphasize. But there are many people who never grow up spiritually. They never try to grow up spiritually, and there are lots of reasons why. Some of you might remember the New Testament scholar Marcus Borg, who passed away actually a number of years ago now, but Borg had what he called the three A's of the secular culture. Do you remember what those were? He said it's appearance, affluence, and achievement. Appearance, affluence, and achievement. He says that these are the values that drive many people the first half of their lives and some people for their entire lives. Now there's nothing wrong with those things unless they become an obsession and all that you focus on. The way of Jesus is the way out of a life that's only driven by appearance and affluence and achievement. He's calling us to go to a much deeper place, a place of the spirit. Faith in God and growing in the spiritual life, those two things are absolutely intertwined. They can't be separated. It doesn't make any sense to believe in God, but not have that change the way that you live and the way that you feel and the way that you think. So back to the parable this morning. The different types of soil that Jesus is talking about. I think it refers to different levels of spirituality and faith. First, the seed that fell on the path. 
It was trampled. The birds ate it up. These are people who are easily distracted from hearing God's message. For these folks, the message barely resonates with them before something else comes along and steals their attention, takes them off in a different direction. Now, these are not bad people by any means. They're my friends. They're your friends. They're good people. It's just that they never seem to have the capacity to listen and then respond to God's message. Now, there are three basic barriers that that keep people on the path, I think. The first is fear, often afraid of what God might want or demand from them. They may have to give up certain aspects of their lifestyle, which would be highly inconvenient. The second is pride. And remember, C.S. Lewis once described pride as a spiritual cancer, and it makes people say, I don't need God. I've got this. I'm doing just fine on my own. Have you seen my business? Have you seen my bank account? I'm good. And the third barrier is resentment or anger. It's the mindset that life is hard and difficult and we go through uh, uh, trying times. And one of the ways that some people respond to this is by hardening their heart and isolating themselves. They might get angry at God or blame God for things that have happened in the past, and so they shut God out. Whatever the reason, the people on the path never let their faith transform who they are or how they see the world. Now, the second kind of soil that Jesus talks about is the the, the seed that fell on the rocky ground, where it sprang up quickly, but it had no depth of soil. The sun comes out, it's scorched. This represents those who get excited about their faith at first, but they quickly lose their enthusiasm. They are believers for a while, but they soon fall away, not giving their faith any time to grow. The people who join the church, and then after a while, they disappear. Uh, An evangelist once said it takes 5% effort to lead somebody to Christ, and then 95% effort to keep them growing in their faith. Jay's a minister of discipleship. Just remember that, okay? It's hard. You can get people to commit to something. But how do you stick with it? How do you keep doing it? The folks on the rocky ground often show a lack of commitment. Maybe it's because they don't want to take the time to nurture their souls. And to some extent, we can all be guilty of this. Uh, These people are really excited at first, and then they're not excited after a little while. And we've all been at this category uh, at different times in our lives. But faith takes growth and follow through and continuing to do the things that help us uh, grow deeper and closer to God. The third category, the thorns. The thorns grew up and choked it. It yielded no grain. The crop was healthy until the thorns got a hold of it. These are the folks who simply have too many distractions in their lives. God's message is choked out by modern day thorns, including money, possessions, selfishness, worries, fear, anger, social status, anything else that keeps us from focusing on our faith and from growing in our spiritual lives. And I've always found it ironic that in a culture that is plagued by high levels of fear and anxiety and uncertainty, what we might find is that if we trusted God and turned more over to God, that fear and that anxiety might subside, but yet we grab it back and we try to do it ourselves. Another thorn in our culture, at least as I see it, is addiction, which has skyrocketed during the pandemic, by the way. Drugs, alcohol, opioids, pain pills, food, sex. When we fail to keep these things in moderation, they become a problem. 
Even though we don't like to hear it, materialism and affluence are modern day thorns to the extent that we try to find all of our security and self-worth in it. I believe that God wants us to enjoy the pleasures of life, nice things, enjoy the fruits of our labor, but not become so obsessed with them or defined by them that we forget about the, the, the one who gave us all of this in the first place. A modern day thorn is anything that we worship other than God. It's an idol. Finally, Jesus talks about the good soil and how the seed that fell into the good soil brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30, 60, 100 fold. This is true spiritual maturity. This is what Christ is calling us to be, good soil. It's those who hear God's word and you're receptive and you believe and you make a conscious decision to put your faith into action. These are the folks that have their priorities in order. And because of this, their lives are transformed. The good soil is characterized by a willing heart and open spirit and a readiness to love God and to love others. Now, it's interesting that the good soil people live in the same world with the same stresses and the same fears and the same thorns that we all have, but they've managed to find a balance. They know what's most important. They know their priorities. They don't get rattled easily. The good soil people are the ones who, who worship regularly, who pray often, who love, who give, who care, who serve, who grow, and who find great joy and meaning and fulfillment in doing all of these things. These are the people who come to know and understand and appreciate what God's kingdom is all about. Remember, the parables are painting a picture of the kingdom of God throughout the gospel. They move beyond the superficiality of the world to a different level of connection. And these are people who live out the Lord's prayer, working to bring God's kingdom to earth. Friends, Jesus is calling us to be the good soil. And there's going to be times when we're the rocky soil and we're the path and, we're, and we don't know what we are. But he's calling us to be the good soil. This type of Christian and, and this kind of faith requires intentionality and ongoing care of the soul. And so that's what we need to do this Lenten season. Let's do soul care. And let's grow closer to God by knowing Christ better. Amen.